Welcome to Grave Top Church. Um, it seems like the middle section is obviously haunted, um, so I, now it makes sense why no one sat there. It's just either in the front or the back. That's cool. Um, but we are continuing our series today, Dragon Slayer, and uh, this whole month we've been talking about how God has called us as believers to into spiritual warfare, that it's not just for special people, but for your average normal believer that as we believe in Christ, that part of our mandate is to be a dragon slayer, to cast out demons, to help people find freedom in their lives, and that we are all called to that kind of ministry, whatever way that looks like. And uh, today specifically, our message is titled, Always Get Back Up. Always Get Back Up. And I want to just preface that that I just pulled this from online, so I don't know what it's going to say. Um, if I'm just joking, I made it. Uh, <laughs> I do appreciate that you guys were giving me like a, like nods, like okay, like. <laughs> but no, uh, I didn't just pull this from ChatGBT. Chat um, this is this is from the heart. Um, but the the point of today is that while it's hard enough to find bravery and courage within your faith to get into the fight of spiritual warfare. It can be even harder to get back up after feeling like you've been knocked down. And whether it's from being exasperated from an ongoing battle that you feel like you've been in or being discouraged after not seeing a victory that you've, uh, that you were praying for, or maybe it's feeling impotent after be- giving into temptation, the Bible urges you over and over and again to get back up. And I want to share this verse in Micah. Oh, I guess I didn't put it in there. I'm get, you just have to, to close your eyes and, and vision it. It says, Micah chapter 7, verse 7 through 8. As for me, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me, and my God will certainly hear me. Do not gloat over me, my enemy, for though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Y'all ever have those moments where you feel like you're just in this, this pit and you feel like you're in this low place, you, you feel like you're in this, this dark place in your mind, your heart, your life, and it's that moment where you have the, the ideas of maybe I should just give up. Maybe, maybe, what is this all working for anyway? I try to do the right thing and it seems like it's not working anyway. And in this verse, I remember from my life, the moment I read this verse, when I felt like I was in this, this dark place where I felt knocked down, and that, that part where it says, though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. I think that's a powerful message for us to receive as we go into this message, um, uh, into today's talk, because today we're going to unpack the moments after a fight. I want to talk about the moments that we get knocked down and how you're not the only one that's getting knocked down. And we're going to analyze the power of grace and how to access that grace in our weakest moments. And at the end, we're going to talk about carrying the presence of victory even after we feel like we lost. Now, the reason that this topic is so important to talk about is because so many believers think that they are the only ones who experience these kinds of losses. And they feel too discouraged to get back up again. And we disqualify ourselves. Uh, we disqualify ourselves through these feelings of unworthiness, these feelings of guilt, all unnecessarily. 
And that we give up on being a vessel for God's kingdom because we feel like we don't deserve to be used by God anymore. And today is all about understanding the power of grace, regardless if you feel like you've won or lost a spiritual fight. Y'all dig what I'm saying? So that being said, let's go into our first point, which is we all fall. We all fall. That sounds like something from like Game of Thrones. Like, we all fall. Um, because we are imperfect, we cling to Jesus. Because we are imperfect, we cling to Jesus. And I want to share this verse in Romans chapter 7, verse 21 through 25. I think this is one of the most powerful ver- uh, passages of Scripture. It says, I find then the principle that evil is present in me. The one who wants to do good, for I joyfully agree with the law of God in the inner person, but I see a different law in the parts of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin. The law which is in my body's parts, wretched uh, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. One hand, I myself within my my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. See, what this passage is describing is that there's this constant battle within us. That we have this constant battle waging war between our flesh and between our mind and our spirit. And he's Paul, the Apostle Paul, is literally saying, I, I do what I don't want to do, and the things that I do want to do, I don't end up doing. It, it's this constant pulling of our flesh and our hearts. And his, his response to recognizing that, he, he first is, wretched man that I am, that, I, that we have to deal with this constant battle of our flesh. But praise be to God that our victory is in Christ not on how, what, how many times I can win that fight. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And our one, uh, while people commonly understand that nobody is perfect, we all got that growing up. Nobody's perfect. Our parents told us, right? <laughs> no one's perfect, Mijo. And we wrestle with the philosophy personally in the moments that we feel like we lost certain battles. I can believe and understand that no one else I'm imperfect. I suck. I'm just a horrible person. I don't deserve anything good. And we beat ourselves up in the moments of our imperfections. We disqualify ourselves from the possibility of being used by God because of the feelings that come afterward. See, that, that, those feelings of feeling uh, uh, weak, those feelings of, of guilt, those feelings of insecurity, but we shouldn't let our feelings determine what we can or cannot do. Look at this other verse in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8-9. through nine. It says, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making right with himself depends on faith. 
That means it doesn't depend on how good or bad you think you are. It doesn't depend on your performance. It depends on your faith. Does that mean that we just give up all restraint? No, of course not. But what it's saying is, Paul is saying, everything good I have tried to do, I count it as garbage in comparison to knowing Christ. The first several times I read this passage, I, I, I had this idea, this perception that he's talking about like worldly things, like sinful pleasures. Like I counted it all as garbage in comparison to knowing Christ, which is also true. But to note, when you read the full passage, he's saying the righteousness I thought I had is garbage, worthless in comparison to simply knowing Christ. What that means is, not, not one single person in here is, has arrived at the place of heaven on their own accord. Not one single person here is declared righteous. Every single person, we, we would say that, I'm kind of a good person, or I'm a good person. Well, that's not enough. That, being, being decent is not being righteous. Here, God, the Bible is saying that the greatest things that we could do is garbage. In comparison to the simple faith in Christ because he credits us righteousness. Why am I saying that we're all these miserable wretches that don't have any righteousness of our own? To recognize that you don't have to feel so bad about it, that you're not the only one and that it doesn't disqualify you from being used by God. But that each of us, those moments that we think, well, I couldn't do that, it's typically because we think we're not good enough. Is that right? I, I can't, I can't possibly share a message at church. I couldn't possibly pray for someone. I, I certainly couldn't cast out a demon of someone. I got my own issues. I'm not good enough to do that. Good, good recognition because none of us are good enough to do that. But he credits us righteousness. If we could get past that mindset and, and recognize that we all fall, none of us are perfect then it throws off that, that, that kind of like excuse that we make to do more good. Because it's not about how you perceive yourself. You don't need any permission to do good. God, Jesus, because of what he did, he blew off the gates that stops us from being righteous. And he, he makes this way for us to do good despite how we view ourselves. Y'all dig that? And the whole purpose of Christ is to provide a way of salvation and victory despite our imperfections and weaknesses. Think about the first moment that you put your trust in Jesus. Isn't it funny how when you were forgiven in that moment, when you received forgiveness in that moment, it seems like that was the only time you were happy about it. But the next time that you needed forgiveness, you felt terrible. Every other moment that you've asked for forgiveness, you carry this guilt with you this insecurity with you, this conscience that you feel like you don't deserve that forgiveness. But the very first time, you received it gladly. See, the thing is that our hearts changed, but our flesh didn't. We are simply trying. We're trying now to be good, but there is not good within us because of this battle that Paul talks about, this battle between our flesh and our mind. But it wouldn't just be beautiful that if you could receive forgiveness the way you did at first, that you could receive it gladly with this warmth of unconditional love, wouldn't that be beautiful? And here, the scriptures are telling us you ought to, that you should re receive that forgiveness. 
But because no one, none of us are perfect, we hold on to Jesus as we recognize how much we need Him. And the moments that you fall or feel like you've lost a battle, instead of trying to avoid God in your life, you should run to Him. Consider this, this simple scenario. Say you messed up. You, you resisted and you tried and you're, you're like really, you felt terrible about it. And the next moment of worship, you feel like, I, I don't even deserve to, I shouldn't even lift my hands because I, I feel terrible about it. I remember the moments where I would mess up and I would feel like I'm a hypocrite. I, I'm, I can't believe I'm here. And I would feel these terrible ways. And I felt like the Holy Spirit impressed on me. Despite whatever you've done, would it be better for you to praise God in your sin than to not praise Him at all? Y'all dig what I'm saying? W- wouldn't it be better to simply say, God, have mercy on me. I still want to praise you even though I feel terrible about myself. Even though I feel weak, even though I feel like a hypocrite, even though I feel guilty, I still want to praise you because you deserve my praise. Even if I feel like I'm at rock bottom, even if I feel like I'm the lowest of my my pride, I, I want to give you praise. Isn't that more victorious than saying, well, I can't praise God because I gave in to the devil? The devil doesn't own you. He doesn't have any, he may have schemed you, tricked you, tempted you, whatever, but he has no power over you. You can lift your hands because of what Jesus has done. Y'all dig what I'm saying? We all fall. You ain't the only one. We all do. Despite our imperfections, we cling to Jesus because we recognize that we all fall, that we need a Savior. If we didn't need a Savior, then we would be perfect. If we were perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus. But because we're imperfect, we desperately cling to Christ. Now let's look at this next point, which is we all struggle. Every weakness and struggle is an opportunity to lean on God's grace. Every weakness and every struggle is an opportunity to lean on God's grace. See, Jesus didn't fulfill his mission on the cross to simply turn bad people into good people. I feel like that's like a big perception in our churchy culture in in Western Christianity in America is that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead to make bad people into good people. That's, that's That's his whole mission. But tell me this, have you not met some more decent people in the world than even in the church? Well, I guess Jesus is doing a work in them without them even realizing it. There's people that don't even trust in Jesus that are nicer than some of the people in the church. So that might not be the sole purpose of God. Maybe that's a reaction. This just, this, the simple chemical reaction within us that happens when we put our trust in Jesus is that he, we naturally turn into quote unquote good people. We naturally turn kinder, more compassionate, forgiving. But see, he didn't do that. He didn't die on the cross and raise from the dead to just make bad people good. His death and resurrection was from was to bring us from death to life. And I don't know about you, but before I knew Christ, I felt dead inside. When I found Christ, I, I felt alive. I felt like I had found the best kept secret. I, I couldn't, I, I literally, my, my reaction in my life, in my life, so I was like, well, what do I even need drugs? Drugs and alcohol, all that stuff simply because I found something so good. I felt like, well, this is better than any high I've ever had. 
Now, I'm not compelling, this isn't a, a, a trick message to compel everyone here to be, choose sobriety. I'm just saying that, that, that Jesus gives such great life. He's compelled us to such pure life. And yet, we, we, we are called to bring this new life, we, we, this new life that we've been given is so much more than how much sin I can avoid. See, life is so much more than that. It, I feel like the, the bulk of church messages today is trying to... It, it's like the Bible says that the, this wicked generation creates new sins to commit. Well, our generation creates new sins to repent of. <laughs> it's like things that don't even need repentance. And it's like, well, if you really want to get closer to God, you need to cut out all caffeine in your life. It's like, hey, well, chill out, bro. <laughs> it's like... If that's, if that's bringing you closer to God, then great. But if you were to compare for a moment, I, I think that we get so hyper-focused on repentance. Again, we should pursue repentance in our lives. I'm not saying like we just throw off restraint. But the Bible says that life is so much more than that. Paul consistently says that I stop trying to obey all the requirements of the law so that I might live for Christ. He's showing a difference between chasing an everlasting repentance and living for Christ. And the way that I see it is slaying some dragons. The way that I see it is sharing the gospel. When you share the life you've been given with others, it is so much more fulfilling than not drinking coffee anymore. Y'all take what I'm saying? It, we've become so hyper-focused because I think deep down we're yearning for more in our faith. We're yearning for more, but we don't chase the real more. We don't chase the real Jesus. We, we allow ourselves to settle. And what can I repent of next? I'll, I'll watch less movies and that will make me a better Christian. We settle on that. Why? Because we feel like we're not necessarily good enough to share the gospel or pray for others, to cast out demons for others. We don't, we don't feel like we're qualified for that. So we settle for just mere repentance. You know what the Bible says about repentance? That that is the baby milk of our faith. And Paul says, but you ought to move on to greater things, to, to chew on some meat. That meat isn't a new special revelation of a deep truth, a deep little secret in the Bible. That revelation is, what can I do for the God who laid his life down for me? What, what now in my life? What? And, and yet we get so fo focused on the idea that we crucify our flesh. I, I, I heard recently someone asked, what is the purpose of, of, of Jesus dying on the cross and raising from the dead? And someone's natural response was, so that we should die. That we die to ourselves. Jesus promised to give us life and life abundantly. When we crucify our flesh, it, it's not it's not always necessarily in the moments of what can I repent? Oh, I'm dying for you, Jesus, because I'm not going to I'm not going to watch this movie anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. Oh, I'm being crucified. I'm dying to my flesh. No, I, you know, what's more sacrificial in the moments where everything in you feels anxious about sharing your faith to a stranger. But you do it anyway, because you are representing Jesus's identity instead of your own. That is dying to oneself. And you're sharing the life of God. 
instead of the death to self. Y'all feel what I'm saying? I think that every new struggle that we face, see, we're, I'm talking about tapping into that life instead of focusing on the struggles. Every new struggle and weakness that we realize within ourselves on this journey isn't a sign. It's not a sign. When you struggle, it's not a sign that you suck. That's, that's not what it is. It, what it is, it should get, just give us, uh, it, it, it should just rather give us a new revelation and opportunity to lean more into God's grace than, than what we were trusting in before. But our natural reaction, oh, I'm weak in this area. I suck, so I, so I should give up. I can't be used by God. But look what the Bible says instead. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, this is Paul talking. Because of the extraordinary greatness of revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me and to keep me from exalting myself. This is Paul talking, and he's clearly either getting audited by the IRS or having a visit from his mother-in-law. It could be either one. Just joking. <laughs> that was really funny. I thought about that all week. So. <laughs> and he goes on to say, concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Now, just think, consider for yourself, do you have a thorn in the flesh? Do you have this thing that you feel like just torments you? And it's, you, you it's like that one thing. If I say thorn in the flesh, it, it comes to your mind right away. Paul has that. And, he, and what is interesting to me is that it, I don't know if that this thorn has always been there or maybe he simply recognized it after he started doing some cool things for God. Once he started making some real God moves, he recognizes this thorn and he says, this messenger from Satan is, is tormenting me with this thorn in the flesh. And I think about some of the things that we struggle with and it torments us. It torments us to where we feel like we're trapped and imprisoned by some of these thorns in our flesh. Again, either the IRS or in-laws, I don't know. But <laughs> I just thought maybe if I said it a second time, y'all would laugh more because I thought it was really funny. But clearly, y'all are too serious and don't have any humorous bones. But to consider that in the moment, I, he says that he brought it to God three times. Three times. And this isn't like three different times that he prayed about it. Like, Paul doesn't, he doesn't necessarily pray like we pray. Like, when we pray, it's like if I pray for someone three times, I probably consider it like three, three different days that I made like a two-minute prayer. Which is like, if you pray straight for two minutes, it seems like a long time. You're like, it's only been two minutes? But it's like, I'll run out of things to say. You know, I don't know what else to say. Heal them, God. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how anatomy works, so I don't, I don't get detailed, like, and bring all the ligaments together. I don't, I don't get that detail. I just say, God, God can work it all, all out in the wash, okay? 
And, but for Paul, these are three different, like, like experiences of prayer, like three different concessions of prayer to where he's like, I'm going on a 21 day fast and I'm praying for this. And then he, he's praying for a whole month, like, God, take this thorn away. And he feels like at the end of the prayer, he, he hears, my grace is sufficient for you. And then some time goes by, like, no, God has given me the victory. And he makes another concession of prayer. And he, he does even a greater fast. He's like, I'm not even going to do the Daniel fast. I'm going to do just, just juice and water. That's the fast I'm going to do. And that way God will really listen to me. And he puts another concession. And he feels like his response is, my grace is sufficient for you. And he's like, okay, this is weird. And he goes a third time. Because you, you can like, you might be able to ignore it for a little bit, but then you're like, no, screw this. This has to stop. And he makes a third procession. And he gets, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And in that third time, he gets this revelation that he shouldn't focus on his weaknesses. Rather, he should focus on what God could do through through him despite his weaknesses, despite the thorn in his flesh. And what is encouraging to me about this is that I think that a thorn in the flesh could be unique and different to anybody. Paul is like super specific in other areas of scripture. He's really specific. Like when he's, I think it's in Colossians where he's listing all the, either Colossians or Philippians, where he's listing all the different things he's endured for Christ. And, he, and at some point he says, and I've been beaten three times. I've been, uh, I've been left for dead, shipwrecked. I was whipped without number. And it's like he kept a pretty accurate record of hardships he endured. But here he's just super vague. It's like, it's just a thorn in the flesh. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> like, it. I think that it's special because it means that it could apply to any of us. That his thorn in the flesh may look different than your thorn in the flesh. But what, regardless of what it is, for some, it may feel like a physical or mental impairment. For others, it may feel like a spiritual struggle that just doesn't go away. Despite what it may be for you, this passage of Scripture says, my grace is sufficient for you. And it, it's saying that God's grace is the ultimate equalizer. That it doesn't matter what impairment you have, whatever thing is hindering you, whatever thing is making you feel weak, is saying that God's grace will equalize whatever feels less. And it doesn't matter what kind of struggle you have, God understands you and he will extend his grace to work through you and through your weakness. I, I think about even simple moments where I'll share a message and I feel like off my game. You know, like I just feel like, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> and I'll just, rather than trying to like see what more I could conjure up, you know, like trying to make it seem like the message is more intelligent or superior, I, in those moments I'll just like, I'm going to just worship God because I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else I could add to a message. And I'll just have this moment where I'll just pray and worship God instead of trying to better prepare. And then I'll share the message that I thought sucked. And I think, man, this is a weak message. And afterwards... People will come to me and say, that was exactly what I needed to hear. And seeing it's in a moment like that to where I felt like I had this thorn in my flesh where I couldn't feel like I could, I just couldn't, I just couldn't get anything out. But I got to see 
in my weakness, God's strength move. So where I feel like some of the message I prepared for the most seemed the lamest after what, like, from people like, oh, that was nice. And the messages I fought, felt like, God, I really need you to move on this one, ended up being the ones where God moved the most because I was ended up leaning on him so much more than myself. So the weaknesses that you're going through, the times that you fall, instead of running and hiding from God, instead, lean into Him. And, it, and you will find that strength and power that's called grace. Y'all dig what I'm saying? Now i got one last thing to share with you guys. And that is, we all choose. You always have the choice to carry the presence of victory. See, every day we are given this choice to carry the victory by carrying the presence of God with us. And with that presence, that spirit of victory comes. And with, whether it's for ourselves or for someone else, we are able to carry that victory solely because of what Jesus has done. Not because of your own merit, not because of your own performance. I remember one of the first moments where I recognized this was when me and Lauren were still dating. And uh, we, were, we, we, had, we were hanging out and she ended up leaving. Uh, not like a fight or anything. It was just like she had to go to work or something. And she left and she called me shortly afterwards saying, hey, I have a flat tire. What do I do? And I said, I'm, uh, where are you? She said, I'm just down the street. I just barely left. And so just for yourself, if you hear, I'm just down the street. You would perceive, I mean, for me, I'll just speak for me. I thought she was just down the street, just like right there. Like she just left and like turned the corner like, oh no. And so I was in, I was so in love that I just, I just rushed out of the home. I didn't even put proper shoes on. She's just down the street and I'm walking and I'm like, okay. And I get all the way out of the neighborhood. I'm walking. I was like, I don't even see her. Like, I've been walking for a minute. And so I, I call her and she's like, hey, where are you? I was like, I was walking down the street and I don't see you. She's like, why did you come walking? I'm all the way down the hill. I'm past that. And I was like, you said down the street. And she's like, okay. And you know, like, like she didn't mean anything by it, okay? It was, but I was already, it was hot. I was walking on the street and I was irritated. I got irritated. And so she says, well, luckily my friend actually happened to be driving by and she, uh, and she saw me and she asked if I needed help. Where are, where are you? I'll go pick you up. And so at this point, I'm like genuinely and unnecessarily, let me say that specifically for anyone listening later, unnecessarily irritated. I was angry. I was angry. And keep in mind this time I was a minister of God. Okay. And yet I was angry. And so this unique intervention where her friend picks her up and now she's driving and come pick me up so I can take off her tire and do the tire change. And I still have yet, you know, do not have proper footwear. And when they picked me up, I was also irritated too. Cause it was like, like the question, like, why would you do that? And I was like, I felt like, like, I'm not stupid, you know? <laughs> and so I was like, you know, getting all irritated. And so they picked me up and I'm genuinely mad, right? And I, and there's a point in the car where I feel bad because here is her, a good friend of hers 
who now knows that she's been dating this great guy. And I'm all pissed off in the car. You know, I was, and I thought, I'm not being a proper representation of Jesus right now. But I was too mad to do, really do anything about it. So I just stayed quiet. You know what? You know what they say. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. So I just shut down. I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> and I put one of those. And then go through the whole thing. I get the tire off. And later, there's nothing special that happened there. That was it. I just had to go. And I had to take the tire to the south side to get a real tire patch because that the more commercialized tire shops are like, oh, we can't patch that because it's too, it has lost too much tread. I go to the, a real tire shop on the south side. They patch it right away. That lasted a whole nother year. Anyway, that's besides the point. <laughs> so later, Lauren tells me that her friend says, you know, when he got in the car, I really felt like, like I felt so good, like the peace of God, like got in the car too. And I felt like the presence of God when y'all were in the car together. And I'm, I'm getting chills, right? And all I could think was, that was all you, Jesus. Because <laughs> I sure, I didn't think that I was carrying anything special except like a chip on my shoulder. <laughs> and see, the reason I share that is because you have this choice in Christ that despite even how you feel, you are able to carry the presence of victory, the presence of God with you, regardless of what you have done, regardless of, of how you see yourself, if you carry and bear the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit made a covenant with you that where He doesn't just come and go so easily. You know, we think that we make one mistake and the Holy Spirit is like, oh, bye. I'm not going to be dealing with this. We, we, are, we have earthly friends that are more committed than that. How much more your Creator who, who laid down His life in commitment to you he doesn't just so quickly leave and, and come back just based on how good you are. It's so much more enduring than that. And look at this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 15 through 50, uh, uh, chapter 15, verse 54 through 58 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be firm and immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I just want to pull a couple things out. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what that means is you have victory regardless of what you've done because it's through Jesus Christ. Therefore, so you have the victory you didn't earn it. It was given to you. Therefore, be firm and immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord. Does it say, when you're on your best behavior, excel in the work of the Lord? No, it says be immovable. It, and that could mean either when you feel like all the world is against you or you feel like you don't got what it takes. Be immovable. Despite how much you recognize that you don't got it, be immovable and try anyway. Just try anyway, knowing that your labor in, is not in vain. So if you're, if you're on your worst behavior, but say you're trying, 
but you feel like you're, you're in a, a streak of bad luck, but you're still trying, you still carry the victory, and if you're still, even though you view yourself as not being good enough, but you're trying anyway, whatever you do for God will not be in vain. This is an amazing equalizer because it shows you that you always have a choice, a, a choice to represent Christ. You always have a choice to represent Christ, even if you feel like you're not worthy of that call. You have a choice to. You always have a choice to slay some dragons because you carry the victory of Jesus' name. You carry it. And nothing you do will be in vain. That encourages me. You know, I, there'll be times where I'll, I'll feel like a little scared to pray big prayers. Like, what if it doesn't happen? And so I always start with smaller prayers. Like one time, this I had like this streak of praying for people's pets. Like, just... Some old lady that was like, my dog is real sick and he's all I have. And I was like, well, let's pray for your dog. <laughs> and she came back a week later like, praise God, he is completely recovered. Thank you, son. I was like, I'm at your, <laughs> I'm at your service. There's one time where my mom had a pet goldfish named Goldie. And she texted me late at night, right in the middle of a church meeting, and said, and she texted me a picture with this fish upside down and said, this is Goldie. Goldie's sick. Can you pray for Goldie? And I stopped the meeting. The guys, we have something to do. And we need to pray for Goldie. And I prayed for this goldfish that was clearly dead. And she sent me a picture the next day saying, Goldie is alive and well. Your prayers were. And there's one time, I kid you not, that I used to work at this tire shop. And one morning, outside in the front of the lot, there was this cat that had been run over, flattened. And I thought, this is disgusting. I don't want to have to pick this up, but someone's going to have to pick this up. And, but I said, you know what? I have faith. And I went over to that cat, and I bent down to it, and I said, get on your paws. In Jesus' name. And I ended up throwing the cat away. But <laughs> but I tried. <laughs> I tried. And I think, despite what happened with that cat, I didn't stop trying for Goldie. <laughs> the <laughs> it's too small. <laughs> but I tried. And what I'm getting at is, why don't why not allow yourself to just be willing to be a vessel for even the silliest of circumstances? And maybe if you allow yourself to pray for even the smallest things, you'll be you'll have the courage to pray for the big things. Y'all feel what I'm saying? I may have started praying for a dog to get well, but shoot, one day I cast out a devil. I mean Allow yourself to pray despite how you feel because you carry the victory. Let me share one last verse with you guys and we're going to get ready to close. It says, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4-5, through 5, For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. See, despite how many times you feel like you've fallen, 
You always have this choice to get back up. You always have a choice to carry the victory of Christ for a new day. You always have a choice to live in Him. You always have a choice to be a vessel of God's power for others. And you always have a choice to lean on to His grace if you get back up because you achieve this victory through your faith. And who can win these kinds of battles in the world? Only those who believe in Jesus as the Son of God. It doesn't say those who've achieved level 10 in sanctification. It doesn't say those who no longer slip a cuss word here or there. It doesn't say those who stop drinking coffee. It says anyone who believes in Jesus Christ as the Son of God is able to have the victory in the battles in this world. So despite whatever you feel, you're able to get back up. Now let's take a moment to bow our heads and close our eyes and pray. And as I'm talking about these things, this whole message is about getting back up, of getting back up, not settling in defeat, but knowing that you carry the victory despite anything you're facing. If you're here and at some point you feel like you've had this compelling, this urge to put your trust in Jesus Christ, you thought there was something that you had to do to earn this kind of relationship to earn this kind of love, but you're realizing today that it's not based off of your performance, but it's based off of the simple faith in Christ. And if you believe Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, the Bible says that if you simply believe that, acknowledge it, talk to Him yourself, that that's all it takes to experience salvation, to experience that moment from being brought from death to life, to engage in a relationship with your Creator. If you're here and you want to do that today, whether it's for the very first time or you did it, maybe you, you talked to Jesus a long time ago about that, but you realize that you need to make this rededication today. If that's you, with every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to just raise your hand. I see your hands. I see your hands. So now right there to yourself, I want you to have your own conversation with Jesus. You don't need me to lead you through a pretty prayer. You can simply talk to him yourself. And I, I really believe that God prefers it that way. Talk to Jesus. That's all it takes. Have your own personal conversation with Him. And while they're doing that, if you're here and you feel like this message was for you today, you feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and trying to encourage you to, to get back up. To get back up. And you, you feel like the Holy Spirit is just ministering to you today. With every head still bowed and eye closed, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hands. I see all your hands. Now I'm going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you finish the work that you started in these people and that you compel them by your power to step into a deeper level of their faith. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage their souls and that you'd show them how you see them. I thank you, Lord, that you choose to have mercy on us, not only for salvation, but your mercy extends even to be vessels for your kingdom and for your spirit. And I pray that you show each person here how you would use them for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.